0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm Brandon, and we are continuing to celebrate the 100-episode threshold that we passed last week. So this would be episode number 101. And we were trying to get through 100 questions and maybe we need to up it now to 101 so that we celebrate that 100th or 101st
1: episode. Let's let's just see if we can get through all of these.
0: Well, it would be great to get through and power through all these questions because we have so many to get through.
1: Yeah, and that's not something I'm making up. People send me so many questions. I don't think they're all for the podcast. Some of them come on on social media as well, but we do appreciate your questions. And of course, I can't answer every single one privately because then I go into a loop typing with follow-up questions and so on. But we're doing our best here. And before we dive right in, picking up where we left off last week... I want to say a big thank you to Desire Resorts and Desire Cruises for their continued support. Be sure to check them out because they have these adults-only clothing-optional experiences like none other.
0: So let's jump right in then. Questions, answers, banter.
1: I'm going to do my best to answer all these questions. All right.
0: So where we are is question number 38. Okay. Is there really a way to move past a cheating partner or, I mean... That probably depends on who the the partners are.
1: Yeah, I think if you were to speak for yourself, that's how you would feel.
0: Yeah, no, I would I would have a difficult time. I, I mean, I would have difficulty with it, period. But I also think that the social component would be really challenging because there's judgment. I don't know why, but I mean, I do know why, but there's constant judgment from every angle.
1: Because they all have perfect relationships.
0: Well, I mean, look at Instagram. <laughs> Everyone's relationship in life is, is perfect at all times. Exactly. Yeah, so okay, question number 39. How can you introduce compromise to a partner who has never had to, who believes that their way is the right way and won't budge?
1: My short answer is that you compromise first. You show them what you are willing to do. You show them that you are willing to make some sort of compromise on your own end because it's disarming. And if you, if you take an issue that you're fighting about and just say mea culpa— I need to change. I'm willing to work on this. I think even the most angry, stubborn person will follow suit. And when you're asking this question, I also think it's important to always consider what you're projecting about your own behavior as well. So do you struggle with compromise as well?
0: Hmm. All right, moving on. How do you know when enough is enough and you're just running your own race. And I'm assuming this is in reference to relationships, the, this question.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, just a reminder that this is a lightning round. Uh, so I'm gonna give you my short shorthand version. Uh, you know, if your partner isn't willing to put in the effort to make the relationship work, I'd say this is the sign that maybe you're, you're not able to become compatible. And now having said that, just because they won't put in the same type of effort that you put in, doesn't mean that it's on them to conform to your expectations. Uh, So what I mean by this is if you've tried to work on the relationship from multiple angles, in multiple ways, maybe you try talking, you try arguing, you try therapy, maybe you go through some self-help programs or books, maybe you carve out time, and if you've tried a wide variety of approaches, approaches and you've asked them how they would like to work on it and they're not open to any of them, I'd say you're in a relationship with yourself and enough is enough. So I I would start with asking them, do you want to work this out? Do you want to work on this relationship and make it better? If they say no, you have your answer. If they say yes, I would ask them, okay, how do you want to work on it? How do you propose we work on it? Because it's not working right now.
0: I think people have this idea that the perfect relationship or the relationship with your quote unquote soulmate is easy at all times and that they don't and that they shouldn't have to invest into the relationship when it's the perfect soulmate but i have actually found the opposite it's a willingness and a desire to work on it that actually makes the relationship so much better
1: you and i often talk about how a relationship takes work and a number of people don't like that language and i think that has to do with our actual work our business work because we love our work Uh, I really do enjoy the work I do. I know you really enjoy the work you do. I I think that we don't see work as a pejorative or as something negative. So maybe if that language doesn't work for you, then it's ultimately about effort. And so if they're not putting in the effort, then yeah, perhaps enough is enough. And not every relationship is intended to last forever.
0: Yeah, relationships can be hard, but they can also be very, very fruitful Mm -hmm. when you can reap the rewards of a a satisfying relationship. Okay, Uh, next question is, can a man's semen stink if they drank beer or whatever? And is there something that causes women to have a funny smell? And I hope I read that correct, that question correctly.
1: I think they mean if the semen doesn't smell good, can it affect the smell of the woman's vagina if he ejaculates ah, in it? That's interesting
0: I Okay, I did not interpret that the way I should have.
1: So, So yes, we don't have scientific evidence that what you eat and drink changes your taste or smell. But we have so many anecdotal reports, and I simply can't ignore them. And so what we hear from people who consider themselves semen or vaginal fluid super tasters so people who have had sex with multiple partners, people who have sex for a living, who are sex workers, porn stars, they'll tell you that diets high in fruits and veggies are supposed to increase the sweetness. And if you have a diet high in preservatives or you're smoking cigarettes or consuming alcohol – um, that has been said to change the taste so that it's more bitter. And when someone ejaculates inside of you, it can absolutely change the way you smell. But if we're talking about a vagina here, it's a self-cleaning oven. It will clean itself out so... Um, Yeah, it's not going to last long. Again, always get tested if somebody is ejaculating inside of you, if you're having sex without condoms. uh, Regardless, actually regardless, even if you are using condoms, make sure you get tested. That is part of safer sex.
0: I feel like the super taster angle there is so different, you know. Are you a super taster? Oh, yes, I am. In what? Semen. Yeah. And how do you get that moniker and how do you also get jobs? (laughs)
1: <laughs> i don't think it goes on your resume no okay just like i don't tell any potential client that i'm a super tuscan super t- taster yeah i don't talk about wine in interviews they probably don't talk about semen
0: all right next interviews. question is easy how tall are you me yeah that's, i'm assuming it's for you not for me
1: oh i'm i think about five 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 four mm. if i wear heels i'm six three <laughs> six four yeah. yeah i look much taller than i am <laughs>
0: How do you get brave enough to try new things in the bedroom? I'm so uneducated in ways uh, to keep it fun uh, that the advice scares me.
1: Okay, I, I think that's fair and probably a common experience. So I say start slow and small. If you want to change locations, don't go straight for the laundry room or the car. Try it next to the bed instead of in the bed. Then maybe you move into the shower and maybe you, because you're having sex in the shower, you add a silicone-based lube because you're going to need it in there. So it's little bits at a time. You don't have to do everything all at once. And I think in life and in business, that's why many of us fail because we want to do everything all at once. I see people doing this with diet. They say, oh, I'm cutting out meat and sugar and carbs and gluten and all of these things all at once. And so I, I ask, why not just cut one thing and don't let it be gluten? I love my gluten.
0: You mean baby steps?
1: Baby steps. So, you know, try whispering a few words in their ear right before orgasm. And if it's right before orgasm, you'll find that your inhibitions are lower because of the adrenaline and oxytocin flooding your your body. Um, And you'll be less self-conscious, more confident. And, And don't feel pressure to do everything. Just tiny little changes have a big impact. So in terms of being brave maybe even turn down the lights. You might be more comfortable whispering when it's dark or uh, maybe give them some sort of sensory deprivation, cover their ears or cover their eyes when you try something new so you feel less self-conscious.
0: So for the the next time for us to spice it up, I'm going to whisper something in your just before you I'm going to go, "Do you want to get some bagels?"
1: I do love bagels. <laughs> I do love bagels. We have we, we've had a hard week this week. Um, our dog, if you've been listening, as you know, has been on, been on chemotherapy, and she had her third treatment of this round scheduled for yesterday. But unfortunately, we went into the vet, and they said that uh, the tumors have spread too much, so they're no longer going to do chemo. So it was already palliative, but now we're at the very end of it all and uh, making some big decisions but after the bad news from the vet brandon said to me do you want to go get greif's bagels
0: i said i whispered it do you want to get some
1: bagels well greif's bagels greif's is an institution here in toronto and it's so good and i said you know we've got sad news but at least we've got a lot of gluten i also (laughs) bought i bought a bag of pizza bagels i'm pretty
0: sure we ate six bagels that day
1: i ate the entire bag of pizza bagels
0: all right, next question. Um, can a sex life still be healthy if it is quick, like under 15 minutes every time? Can I answer that? hmm 15 minutes is a long time.
1: hmm <laughs> It depends what you're doing. So if you're talking about intercourse, that's way longer than average. But I know that in porn, sexual intercourse lasts so long that our expectations become unrealistic. Now, that's just intercourse. So sex itself can last longer. And if it's not long enough for you... Uh, Think about other things you can do with your hands, with your mouth, with toys. Don't get hung up on intercourse. And just remember there's a reason that lesbian women have more orgasms than straight women. It's because they're not hung up on the D. They're doing other things.
0: All right. Great answer. Next question. How can you tell if your husband's sex drive is going down?
1: Ask them and be supportive. It's okay if your interest in sex declines. It's normal. You often have to get in the mood for sex rather than waiting for the mood to strike you. And talking about sexual frequency is a really important conversation. And I know that there are some strong gender norms around who is supposed to want it more. So rather than trying to read between the lines or read their mind, try having a straightforward conversation.
0: I almost feel like I've questioned my own sex drive at points in this relationship. And, and society tells us you should want it all the time, 24-7. And because I don't feel that way, I've questioned whether or not there's been something wrong with me you've just we've been told i i mean men I find are told you should want it twenty four seven and if you don't, there's something wrong with you and the truth is is I'm like i don't i I love you, I think you're hot, and I definitely want it, but at the same time, sometimes there's just a lot of other things going on that consume the bandwidth for sex
1: so how do you? reconcile like those social norms that make you feel emasculated with what you actually know
0: having that conversation with you and expressing it to you was the first step that made me feel normal about it just getting it off my chest and and expressing it really helped and then after that I think it was recognizing that a lot of other people probably feel this way just don't bring it up ever because it's not something that I talk about with my friends I don't talk about my sex drive and I think because you don't you're isolated and what are you going to do you're going to google the answer and try to find what everybody else is doing on the regular I don't think you're going to get the answers that you want
1: yeah, and not only do you not talk about it with your friends, there's a performative element to uh, within male relationships to act like you're so sexual, right? To show how heterosexual you are. And so I think you probably are not surrounded with people who fall into those norms, right? You probably are more selective with the people you're around.
0: Yeah, I would agree.
1: Um, having said that, you still play sports with people who with whom you're probably not best friends, but you socialize.
0: Yeah, and it does depend on the group. Absolutely agree that that performative element plays in more when I am playing hockey or in group settings with other men. And although I don't, I find myself taking a step back and not engaging just because I have started to realize that I am. I'm performing. I'm performing and I'm, I'm playing into that need to show my masculinity within a group of men when the truth is it doesn't matter. Like, why? Unless you're accom- having
1: sex with that group of men.
0: Yeah. And what am I trying to accomplish? Like, proving to them that I do it a whole lot?
1: Well, why Why do men care so much about letting other men know how masculine they are?
0: I'm not sure. I mean, it's a great question. I don't know if it's even hierarchical within that group setting that perhaps there is something subconscious there in terms of a ranking. I, I don't know. I'm speculating right now, right?
1: I think evolutionary theorists would suggest that it has to do with competition, uh, with sperm competition, for example. But I think that uh, it's ultimately a matter of having no outlets, no no relationships other than your intimate one where you actually get to express yourself around sexuality. There, are, there aren't a lot of, there are not many safe spaces for men to talk about sex. So talk to your partner. Uh, and one of the challenges with that, and I'm sure this has come up in previous episodes, is when... Men don't talk to their friends, heterosexual men, about emotional issues, sexual issues, relational issues. What happens is the burden falls all on their intimate partner. So in the case of of hetero men, it falls on a woman where we are are expected to act in the capacity of, of therapist, of emotional support, of best friend, and we're not qualified, nor do we have the bandwidth to do all of that. So start talking to each other, people.
0: Chat it up. Okay, next question. Okay, we have a
1: lot of questions. Let's go.
0: Is going to bed at the same time good for a relationship?
1: (laughs) I'm guessing that this (laughs) is coming from someone who wants their partner to come to bed with them. Uh, Of course, going to bed together can be good for the relationship because you can snuggle and be close and maybe even have sex. But going to bed separately can also be good for the relationship because you have to prioritize sex and affection and actually go out of your way to seek it. So uh, listen... I think you should do what you're comfortable with. I don't think you should force your partner to go to bed at the same time as you. Uh, We all have different needs, different schedules. And I think the less pressure you put on a partner, the more inclined they will be to sometimes come and join you.
0: All right. Can working out boost your sex drive?
1: Yes. So we have a wealth of data suggesting that exercising is good for sex and exercise frequency and sex frequency are positively correlated. We don't really know if more sex leads to more exercise or if it's the other way around. But I do find that my clients um, find that exercise really improves their mood. It improves their energy, their sleep, their stress, and that all of those things make for better, more frequent sex.
0: How about working out together? I bet you that boosts sex drive.
1: Yeah, there is research actually not only on the fact that it's good for your sex life, but your relationship and you're more likely to follow through with fitness goals if you do it with a partner, whether that's an intimate partner or a friend.
0: That'd be hot though, for real. I could see that getting the motor rolling.
1: Working out together? Yeah.
0: I mean, maybe not if you're, I don't know.
1: What if you're stinky?
0: Well, yeah, that's what I meant. Like maybe keep a little distance, but like watching you work out would be hot.
1: Really? Yeah. Have you seen me work out?
0: Yeah, I've seen you work out. When? Like once. Yeah,
1: right. All (laughs) All right. right.
0: Um, How long is too long to not not have sex?
1: Oh, it just depends on the person. Some people, asexual folks, for example, never want sex and they're perfectly healthy. Some people feel like it's too long after a day or two. And if you can't find perfect compatibility with your partner, which is normal and you can still have a happy relationship, give yourself a hand. You know, you can have sex with yourself. uh, So go for it
0: problem solved right (laughs) yeah okay next question how tall are you brandon i am six feet tall
1: what's with the questions about how tall i always get messages on instagram about my shoe size
0: hmm yeah that's that's yeah that's for other reasons probably
1: and requesting pictures of my feet i'm gonna post a picture of my feet tomorrow because okay. I have a picture of uh, Lido with my heels.
0: Right. <laughs> Brandon, what's the hardest part about being married to a sexologist? I'm going into the field and I'm worried about dating and finding a partner. Um, I think in the past I would have said there's nothing really difficult about being married or having a partner who's a sexologist. However...
1: Is it my personality makes it the hardest part?
0: <laughs> I, I, I do believe that it, it, it's been incredible to be married... To have a partner who's a sexologist. We talk more. We are open to having more conversations, doing more things, experiencing new things. And that really has added uh, spice to the relationship that I don't think I would have known how to do had we, I mean, had you not studied in this field. I mean, you've been in this field for as long as I've known you for over 18 years. That being said, what I find most difficult is the constant sexual harassment i'm blown away at how people of all genders but primarily men people with a penis feel compelled or entitled to send dick pics or even more graphic images to you and to scream and shout at you and to send hate messages to you i want to lash out i want to I mean, I want to respond in the same way, which really probably isn't going to accomplish much. But at the same time, I'm just blown away at how people think it's appropriate. I'm blown away at how you could even send graphic images like that.
1: Yeah, I know you've said that before. And uh, yesterday I received some graphic images. They were actually gifts, And I was thinking, and I actually posted this on Twitter, hoping that an ethicist would weigh in. If someone sends me an unsolicited dick pic, so someone I don't know, well, nobody really sends me dick pics, but I don't don't know who this person is. Can I start sending dick pics back? Is that unethical?
0: Didn't somebody do that years ago? Wasn't there a a woman who received dick pics from like Tinder or something like that? And then she sent them back and then the person freaked out?
1: Yeah. So I'm just wondering what the ethics are around that. I'm not very um, edgy in that way, but I, I did want to send some dick pics back.
0: All right. Next question. How do I deal with a jealous colleague?
1: Mm, We talked about this on the morning show this week. Uh, Be really kind and mindful of their jealousy. Uh, You know, oftentimes with jealousy, we lash out at the person. We get irritated by them. We get critical of them. But ultimately, they're suffering, right? When jealousy is related to feelings of insecurity and loneliness and feeling unworthy, so check in and make sure they feel supported Um, I remember reading a study that found that jealousy leads to increased brain activity in the areas associated with social pain and pair bonding uh, in monogamous monkeys. So try and view their jealousy through a lens of empathy for their pain instead of focusing on the inconvenience or irritation it causes you. Uh, The other thing is to help kind of break down their jealousy see if there are ways for you to show your own vulnerability. I think oftentimes a, a jealous colleague believes that your life is perfect. And when you open up about your own struggles, they might see you as more human and be a little bit je- less jealous. I, I, I know that it can be very frustrating because when people are jealous, they don't always act in the kindest of ways but just to remember that you know they're suffering and this is the this applies to jealous siblings and jealous friends and and jealous partners is a different discussion um you know you want to support your partner if they're feeling jealous you also don't want to tolerate someone who's trying to control your behavior
0: Hmm. all right next question what's your favorite position is this for me it didn't say brandon at the end of it so
1: yeah you answer first
0: um I don't know that I have a favorite position or like a go-to. Which, it depends.
1: Which one of the three do you prefer? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it kind of go with the flow. It could vary based on the sex. The sex.
1: I, I like to lie on my stomach.
0: Yeah, we know that.
1: Well, not everybody knows that. Well,
0: they all do now. Yeah. Um, I tend to enjoy whatever you're really into. I mean, it's just not hurting me. <laughs> i'm usually pretty into it
1: sometimes i hurt you
0: yeah there have been a few instances where i'm like okay we got to stop this yeah this is painful okay uh next question how old are you both you want to go first
1: brendan is 41
0: yeah and that's it next question right no
1: i don't care i'm not sensitive about my age i'm 39 and i can't wait to be 40 there
0: you go even though i
1: just turned 39 I'm, i'm excited to be 40 because i think people treat me like i'm younger And I'm excited to say I'm 40. Why why are you shaking your head? I'm shaking
0: my head because 40 is not all it's cracked up to be. (laughs) 40 is great, but I don't know. I keep thinking that every year gets a little better. And I, I do. I generally feel that way. You know, people who look back on their lives and they, I don't know, I don't know a lot of people that feel like, oh, this was my heyday. This was the best. I really do feel with few exceptions that every year gets a little better. Maybe I'm just happy to be here.
1: I feel the same way. Life gets a little bit more exciting. I like my work a little bit more. Um, I think I'm what I'm really working on and I'm hoping will come with age is saying a bit more what I want as opposed to doing what I feel I need to do because I do a lot of things out of commitment. I have trouble saying no to things and I'm hoping that when I turn 40, that magic pill will just help me be more assertive. <laughs>
0: Well, my magic pill didn't work out, and I. but I will say that there are ups and downs along the way. But generally speaking, I, I do feel like the trajectory is heading up and I hope that it continues. I do. I think it will. All right. Next question. How do you know if your partner is into role play? And I'm laughing because I'm thinking you just show up with a cape and a mask one day.
1: Well, you've got that question. I leave it with you. That's
0: it. That's it done.
1: Yeah. Just come, come home in a cape.
0: Come home in a Batman cape and like a spider-man mask
1: oh don't be cross-pollinating don't superhero no 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 all right i mean ultimately ask them if if you don't want to blurt it out over dinner you don't want to show up in a cape ask them while you're watching a show or a movie that depicts role play or make jokes of it even um sometimes you can learn through dirty talk you can just say oh would you like it if i dressed up as a teacher or a hybrid of spider-man and i don't know another superhero iron man (laughs) <laughs> is he a good guy or a bad guy?
0: You say Thor show up with a giant hammer. Thor. There you go. I
1: don't know who Thor is.
0: He's got a hammer.
1: Oh, like a.
0: He's a superhero. Oh, okay. He's that guy who he's, he's pretty handsome, pretty ripped. Yeah, I've and heard about him. He's got a him. giant hammer. Is he Asian? <laughs> no, I think he's a white guy, isn't he? Oh man, I hope I didn't just stick my foot in my mouth. No, I don't know. Anyway, all right. I, I
1: just am assuming he's Asian. I don't know why.
0: How do we get out of a sex rut? We like sex but we just don't get in the mood as often as we'd like to.
1: Well, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Understand that sex doesn't happen on its own. If you wait until you're in the mood for sex, you might never have it. Like going to the gym, you often have to put yourself in the mood. And I'm sure I've talked about responsive versus spontaneous desire before, but it's important to remember that we don't necessarily walk around horny and in the mood for sex you don't go to work all day come home make dinner help with the chores put the kids to bed maybe you know on the phone with your mom for a while and then say oh yeah and you know what I'm in the mood for I'm in the mood for the sex I even want to get on top no you have to do something to put yourself in the mood so maybe you need to touch yourself or use a toy or tell your partner what you need and get turned on before you actually want sex. Because if you wait for it, it might not ever happen.
0: I agree. There have been times and I've, again, going back to that question earlier, I haven't felt like I wanted to have sex. But once I kind of get myself going, I find it's a lot easier to To get out of that rut.
1: If you're willing to get yourself going, can you also just finish yourself off?
0: (laughs) Uh, Newsflash, I have. (laughs) Good. Okay. Okay. Next question is, what's a good resource for talking to my nine and a half year old about sex?
1: Uh, You can start on YouTube. There is a video series that's free called Amaze. A-M-A-Z-E. So check that out. And then also follow Sex Positive Parenting for tips and they do a lot of Q&A's on their Instagram and they answer not only common questions but really specific and varied questions and they have a ton of resources so check out Sex Positive Parenting and the AMAZE sex ed video series
0: okay is it normal to want your wife to be a hot wife and hot wife being one word
1: yeah so right so hot wifing tends to refer to uh, a husband or a male partner wanting his wife to have sex with another man. And we did do an episode with Justin Miller on cuckolding. Um, so this person might enjoy watching his wife have sex with somebody else, um, and it only really works out if she also wants to do it. <laughs> uh, there are many reasons why you might enjoy this, and even though hot is such a gendered term, folks of all genders can really enjoy watching their partner with another lover. And I think some are really thrilled by the taboo element, taking risks together and then getting through that risky situation, coming out on the other side, feeling more connected can be really hot, but also really affirming for the relationship. I think others are into hot wifing because they're excited by the empowerment it brings to both partners. So it can be a a representation of how strong your bond is with your partner I, you know earlier I spoke about sperm competition for men and I think evolutionary theorists would suggest that this is a matter of sperm competition if she has sex with someone else I'm going to have more sex with her thrust harder my sperm are going to outswim theirs um, you know I'm gonna last longer I'm gonna have a shorter refractory period uh, you know the I think that might be a little overstated. I think that hot wifing can really feed your egos in a good way if you're both into it. So one partner is validated by being wanted by another lover and the other partner is validated because in the end, even though their partner is with other lovers, they still come home to them. It's the, the like the song Save the Last Dance theory, right? So you always come back to me. So yes, it can be normal. It can be hot as long as you're both into it with enthusiasm, free from pressure.
0: Um, How does a senior keep up with younger partners in bed?
1: Oh, I'm not sure you have to keep up. You might be setting the pace. You might be the race rabbit. (laughs) Um, One thing we know about sex and aging is that sex changes for the better if you're still having it. And you tend to become less hung up on one specific sex act. And... More likely to use all the tools at your disposal, whether it's your fingers, your tongues, your toys, furniture, dirty talk, role play, uh, the emotional connection, and so much more. So my best advice is to make sure you view sex as a range of acts and interactions because it just makes it more fulfilling regardless of age.
0: Uh, You've traveled everywhere. What's your favorite place to visit?
1: Oh, well, I certainly haven't been everywhere. Uh, there are a lot of places, many places on my list. I, I like to go back to Jamaica. It's where my mother's from. It's where my my cousins and my family are. So the North Coast, or And, you know, I I really like Istanbul. I'd like to go back to Istanbul, Mexico City. Um, those are places I visited already and, and want to return to. What, how do you feel, babe?
0: Yeah, I mean... We've been so lucky to have had traveled. Rome and Florence were two of my favorites. The Mm. history there was incredible. I love Florence. Yeah, it was spectacular. Is it
1: pretentious to say, I Uh, love Florence? (laughs) I had a great time in
0: Mexico City, even though we were a little under the weather, Mm. and would love to go back there. And I had a great time in Jordan. Mm -hmm. I thought that was incredible. I was so uh, impressed with just... Everything, the hospitality. We were in
1: Amman, Jordan, for a wedding. One of Brandon's clients who became a friend. And we went down to Petra, and it it really is spectacular. And we went to the Dead Sea. That's true. Jordan was really an interesting place.
0: All right, next question is getting a little personal for me Was Brandon in the Woody's ads?
1: Oh, so. Woody's is a bar on Church Street, a gay bar in Toronto, and it was quite famous because it was featured in Queer as Folk for many years, the television series. And Brandon?
0: I was. I was in the ads on the outside of the establishment.
1: Oh, you were also inside the establishment. Oh, was I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got their money's worth from those they photos. Did
0: from those photos. Wow. I mean... I tried to bartend there, but couldn't couldn't get a job there.
1: You weren't as good-looking as the guy on the wall?
0: There were some good-looking men there, and I did not rank high enough.
1: <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Brandon was in the Woody's ads. When did you take those photos?
0: Almost 20 years ago, I mm-hmm.
1: think. Yeah, they were running them up until probably five years ago.
0: Yeah. Nobody really recognized me. <laughs> yes, the we did. The latter few years, <laughs> I changed a fair amount. No?
1: Mm, you look a lot like there's there's one particular ad where he's in boxing shorts and boxing gloves and are you grabbing your junk?
0: Um, Maybe I have fists. I don't know. I can't remember. And
1: the the tagline is cocky and that was my favorite one of all of them.
0: So yeah, I was. All right, next question. Moving on. Moving on. (laughs) I met a great guy online. We've been on a few dates and he's really nice to me, but he's rude to waiters and the folks behind the counter at the coffee shop. Should I be concerned?
1: I mean that's up to you but I'd be concerned I think the way you speak about your friends and family matters but so do your daily interactions and so if this person believes they're better than others uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're also likely sizing you up to de- determine whether or not you're good enough for them too and I don't think this is a great foundation for a relationship so I'd be a little wary uh you- you know, moments of, of fleeting intimacy with strangers like waiters or service staff, they can actually be good for our health too. So they're missing out on valuable social opportunities by being rude or by, you know, being dismissive. And chances are they might expect you to act the same way. So I'm not saying you should cut this relationship off, but I'd be mindful of it. And I, I, I would even ask them, you know, <laughs> why are you speaking to that person that way? I, I find it so embarrassing if we go out for dinner and people are rude to the service staff
0: yeah i've i've been around people who have been rude to wait staff or, or cleaners anyone and i'm just mm-hmm. if you interact with people that way it, you're i don't i don't want to be friends with you i don't i and don't want to i don't want to be i don't want to go out with you i think you should be treating people the way that you want to be treated no matter what position they hold or what they do i don't i don't care
1: right and we were bartenders for so many years you know we we bought our first house from bartending
0: i was a bar back right so my i my ranking, if you want to look at it that way, was much, much lower. And people definitely interacted with me much differently than they did you or the people that worked security at the nightclub. Like short of the cleaning staff, we were lowest on the totem pole. Again, if you wanted to rank things, and it was interesting to see how people interacted with me then and how I was upset about it. But again, you move on and You know, so be it. What I did remember out of all that is that I would never treat somebody that way, so.
1: I also think that everybody could learn from working in a restaurant, from being in service. I think there are a lot of really important life lessons that I learned working in the nightclubs and bars and restaurants that I couldn't have learned in any other environment.
0: Great. Okay. Where do you take all those photos in Jamaica on the paddle boards?
1: Oh, I just mentioned that place. It's Aracabessa on the north coast. It's about 35 minutes west of Ochi, uh, west of Ocho Rios. And it's a place called GoldenEye. And it's the place where Ian Fleming had his old house and conceived of the James Bond character. And his old villa is still there. And yeah, we play around on the lagoons.
0: Apparently, they're going to be shooting the last James Bond movie there.
1: Oh, I hope it doesn't take too long.
0: Yeah, I hope not.
1: Because then the film crew will be there. It's a very quiet place. Yeah, Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: Should the guy still pay for the first date?
1: Aye. Well, what if there's two guys on a date? Because that happens too. No, pay if you want to. Treat them if you want to. Split it if you want to. Don't decide who pays the bills based on what's hanging or not hanging or hanging out between your (laughs) legs. Please.
0: That's a great answer. Um, okay, can a sexless marriage work?
1: A sexless marriage can work if you both want it to be sexless. So you can have a happy marriage and decide not to have sex. But if one person wants sex and the other doesn't, you likely need to make some changes. You might need to open it up into a consensually non-monogamous relationship. Uh, and in that case, it would be sexless between the two of you, but not sexless altogether. Because one of you would be having sex with another partner or partner's What doesn't work in terms of sexless marriages involves asking your partner to be monogamous and unilaterally declaring that you no longer want sex, whether you declare that verbally or behaviorally. You absolutely should never feel pressure to have sex if you don't want to, but you also can't demand sexual celibacy from a partner because when you enter into, if you want a monogamous relationship, for example, you have to make an attempt to meet one another's sexual needs.
0: Okay, so... Now we have a series of anal sex questions. And so this person says, I'm a lesbian girl. My girlfriend and I intend to do, to have anal lovemaking for the first time. Although we are both STD, STI free, we are afraid of any other disease that may be created from contacting each other's anuses. So here are our inquiries. What, what is, or what are the hygienic procedures that should be done before lesbian anal sex?
1: So regardless of whether you're lesbian or any other gender combination, whatever makes you comfortable. So you can shower if you'd like to in advance. You can clean the outer area with water and mild soap if that makes you more comfortable.
0: Okay. Should we evacuate our bowels right before the encounter? Uh,
1: Many people feel more comfortable if they go to the bathroom first, but it's up to you and you don't need to force it. So if you don't need to go, you don't need to go.
0: You shouldn't force anything ever. (laughs) Apparently,
1: you're not supposed to push.
0: Don't push, man. Okay, Uh, my partner suggests an enema before we start. Is that a must?
1: So an enema, for for those listening, involves pumping water or saline into the rectum to dissolve any stool that's hanging out in there. Uh, It's a matter of choice and it's not necessary. If you continue to use enemas regularly, there are certainly risks related to muscle function, and an imbalance of electrolytes. So I I wouldn't consider them a necessity.
0: Okay. I suggest we can use hand sanitizer or wet wipes to clean the anus hole area around and inside before we start. Is that okay?
1: I would stay away from hand sanitizer and any wet wipes that contain alcohol. Uh, There might be some wipes on the market that are specifically intended for this. There is a brand called Sweet Spot, which is more formulated for the vaginal area in terms of its pH, but uh, they have an unscented wipe that would be fine, but I wouldn't just use a regular disinfectant wipe because it, it likely contains um, some harsh chemicals. So just use water and, again, a mild, unfragranced soap only on the outside.
0: Should I make a joke about how we're at question number 69? Ooh. No. Okay. <laughs> Should we defecate after anal?
1: Oh, you don't, you don't need to poo after anal the way you should pee after vaginal intercourse.
0: Okay. No. Uh, next question. Do our posterior holes, um, sorry, do our posterior holes or will they be wider by practicing anal play? If yes, what is wrong with that and how would we avoid it?
1: Okay, so the area will remain a little expanded for a few minutes after penetration. It depends what you're putting in the anus as well uh, and the size of it. And then they'll go back to normal. Uh, Just as, you know, the area can expand to allow feces to be expelled, then it goes back to normal when you're done.
0: Does that apply to male penises?
1: If you were to put a penis inside?
0: How do you make it much bigger for much longer? (laughs) No, I can't
1: help you there. (laughs) I can make it shrivel up.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, Sorry for that question. Um, Sorry for the question. Could she kiss me or I kiss her deeply in the mouth after analingus?
1: Oh, no. So you don't want to kiss in the mouse, mouth after you've had your tongue or your lips uh, licking around or inside the butthole. You can transfer bacteria. Uh, you So what I would suggest is either you kiss first and then move to the anus, or you can also use a dental dam or a latex glove with some lube for anal analingus to reduce the risk of infection transmission.
0: I like that we got all – we went clinical to – In the butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, Can we use whipped cream or yogurt or ice cream inside the anal hole the same way we use it in the like mouth kissing or vulva licking?
1: Ooh, I really like the idea of mouth kissing with ice cream. I would kiss you more if you had more ice cream in your mouth.
0: <laughs> if I had bagels in my mouth. <laughs>
1: this is true. Anything glutinous. <laughs> uh, so so back to the question. No, I, I, I wouldn't use whipped cream or yogurt or ice cream inside. You can use it on the outside. So you can put it like around on the butt cheeks and around in, you know, the, the region. But you're not going to be putting stuff inside.
0: I like, you know, whipped cream I get, ice cream, sweet, you know, dessert. Yogurt, though? Like, is that...
1: Oh, you don't know this question is actually from Terry Crews?
0: Terry Crews, man. (laughs) Nine-nine. And the other thing I'm thinking right now is how messy that would be. Just yogurt everywhere, all over the bed. It's just, yeah.
1: You know what you need?
0: No, no wet spot blanket?
1: Well, almost. No more wet spot blanket. No more, sorry. Yeah. So this is a barrier fleece blanket and there are multiple brands, but you put it down and no liquid goes through it. So you can throw it on your bed. And at the trade shows where I see this blanket on display, they run it as a fountain all weekend long and no water goes through. It's magic. Magic.
0: All right, back to the anal questions. How far should we go inside, either by fingers, tongue, or toys?
1: Well oh, that's really up to you. You probably want to start with a small object like a finger and then slowly over time work your way up to larger toys and make sure your toy has a flared base. What that means is that it should have a base that stops the toy from going all the way inside the anus. So for example, something that's the shape of a lipstick tube or a pen, that doesn't have a flared base. That could get sucked, sucked up in there and get stuck. You want something that has almost like a stopper at the end that's too big to go inside. And I'm going to really suggest that you check out my anal sex podcast. It's all about anal and it's episode number 72.
0: That flared base thing. You don't want to be that person at the local hospital... Something went in and didn't come out.
1: Did I ever tell you about that group of doctors? And they were saying that no matter what, when someone comes in with something lodged up their butt, they always say they fell on it. The number of... And they said, without fail, I fell on the Coke bottle. I fell on the candlestick. I fell on this eggplant.
0: Why am I now remembering a story? Maybe it was a TV episode or something. Where there was a rec- you know, reclining chairs. The old ones have like a handle. A lever. A lever and somebody that stopped. It's like, come on, man. Maybe I'm maybe that was just a TV show. Slipped and fell on the reclining handle. Whoops. And I was naked and had a lube and it went in my butt.
1: That would be really hard to fall on because it's so close to the side of the chair.
0: Yeah, you'd have to really try. Okay. <laughs> next question. Um so Could we do, I'm assuming this is in reference to inserting fingers, or or sorry, tongue, toys. Could we do it vaginally after anally or vice versa is better?
1: Uh, Please do vaginal insertion first and then anal because of the bacterial transfer risk. So you can put something in the vagina and then in the anus, but you don't do it the other way around because you could be transferring bacteria that could be harmful. And you can also use new condoms every time you use a new orifice. That's a, a good way to get around it. Um, and you can use condoms, of course, on anything. You can use them on a toy. You could use uh, gloves on your hands. A- and so those barrier methods work work regardless of what you're using. All
0: right. Uh, next question. Do we need to tell our gynecologists?
1: That's a good question. I would say that the more info your doctor has, the better. So, yeah, go ahead and tell them. I don't know if it's a requirement. I'll have to ask a gynecologist about that.
0: Okay. And this is a great question. What if we can't get it in the hole? And I don't think this is specific to lesbians having sex. (laughs) This could be anybody.
1: Yeah, I don't think any of these questions, in fact, are specific to lesbians. Uh, So you don't have to put it in the hole. You can just play on the outside. There's no reason anal sex has to be penetrative. I think we have this idea from porn that all lesbian sex mimics heterosex. For example, you must wear a strap-on. And that's not necessarily what all lesbian people want to do. Some do, some don't. I would say most of us learn how to penetrate penetrate, and insert objects into our butt if we try it on ourselves first. So if you go back to that podcast that I mentioned, podcast number 72, we'll talk a little bit about how to get it inside. If uh, you feel like you're in the mood, you're relaxed, you have experience, you know how to put a finger in your own butt already – but it's not going in at this moment in time, take a few slow, deep breaths. Play with yourself in another way. Get more and more turned on. The more aroused you are, the more you'll probably relax in the region. Uh, When you're uncomfortable or anxious or nervous, your muscles tend to contract, making penetration either uncomfortable or next to impossible. But once you're a bit more relaxed and aroused, use your hands to spread your butt cheeks. Add lots and lots of lube to your butthole. And then... Let's say put your finger on the butthole and then push outwards as though you're actually trying to push something out of your bum like you're going to the bathroom. And as you push outwards, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but that bearing down with those muscles will actually facilitate entry because your muscles will expand to open up and it'll almost feel like it's getting gently sucked in. But there's a lot more info in that anal All About Anal podcast. Yeah.
0: Things I wouldn't have known before I listened to that podcast. Really? Yeah, for sure.
1: Hmm. Did you learn to put a finger in your butt? Is that something you learned on your own?
0: did not. I think I learned when I had to give myself a suppository.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's not quite as pleasurable.
0: No, not at all. Or maybe it was the first time a doctor had to check something. That was not fun either.
1: But you should get your prostate checked, people.
0: I'm totally in agreement on that. But it was unexpected the first time it happened
1: not intended to be fun. Let's talk about no. that for a minute though before we go. With physicians, don't you wish they would really explain to you what is happening to put you at ease as opposed to just doing it?
0: I recently had um I had a I had a tooth I was missing a tooth and I've been missing it for years. It was a molar and I decided to have one put in. And mm-hmm. they had to do surgery to put in a post and all that stuff. And the surgeon who did the 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 drilling into my jaw explained everything he was doing as he did it because I was awake during it. And it was much more, not enjoyable, but I was much more relaxed and I felt much more comfortable. And the dentist that I see does the exact same thing. And I love that he does it because I know what to expect and what he's doing. And I wish most people would explain what they're doing, when they're doing it, and why. Because I think that the more information we have, the more comfortable we can be if we understand the process.
1: Yeah. And when you think about doctors, for example, physicians, some are very comfortable with sexuality and some are not. And so their own hang-ups can hold them back from communicating effectively with you and putting you at ease. And so in an ideal world, there would be more training in medical school and ongoing curricular training to ensure that they are comfortable with these topics. And at the same time, we know that that's not the reality. So I would encourage you To stand up for yourself and assert, this is what would make me more comfortable. So I think back to my first pap smear when I was a teenager. And it was so uncomfortable. The metal speculum was really, really cold. They didn't warm it up for me. And then, you're not going to believe this. So she puts it inside. She doesn't explain to me what's happening. I'm tense. I'm so scared. She says, oh, I forgot a screw. What? I'm not joking. And then she pulled it out put the screw back on, and put it back in. So two insertions. I'm just a teenager. I'm so nervous. And you know when you're nervous, that pelvic floor can just tense up. Uh, it, was, it wasn't just uncomfortable. It felt painful because it was so cold. And now that I'm older, I, I have in the past asked. First of all, not only have I had to ask for a pap smear because, I don't know, the doctors don't seem to to suggest that I have one. But I've said, can you please warm that up? Just run it under some warm water so you're not putting a freezing cold speculum into my vagina. And so I do hope that you can stand up and say, this is what would make me more, more comfortable. Could you explain to me what's happening because I'm very nervous? And of course, as a teenager, I didn't have anyone to talk to. I, I didn't even tell my friends I was going. I certainly didn't tell my parents I was going. We're lucky here in, in Canada, you know, you can go and get health care without your parents' knowledge, because it's it's covered by single-payer system. Thank goodness, because it was important that I had that pap smear. So we're going to stop there. We're pretty close to finishing up these questions. We're going to bring in a guest next week so that we can go back to our regularly scheduled programming. And we'll um, save a segment for finishing off these 100 questions of yours as well.
0: Yeah, that was fun. Very yeah. informative. For you too? Absolutely.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much to you for listening. Thanks, Babe, for being here.
0: Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me host.
1: And thank you to Desire Resorts wherever you're at. Have a lovely week. If you like the podcast, please do share, subscribe, and if you have questions, send them our way. I am at Sex with Dr. Jess on Instagram, and Brandon is
0: at Verity Brandon.
1: All right. Have a great one, folks. <music>